0: in people's lives, and uh, man, I told y'all, this guy is, is somebody that listens to God and has a great relationship. So um, I want to start by, uh, y'all have kind of seen a little bit about what he does, and just the thought of, uh, that blew my mind, He say the people that don't that can't see well, if you put them shoulder to shoulder, it would stretch 15 times around the world, did y'all catch that? I, that just my, boggles my mind, and to see that one lady who, you know, just it changed her life, but but also... It gives you the opportunity to share the gospel, so I appreciate so much what you're doing. But I want to start off because at lunch we talked about some things, and I've jotted down some things. Um, but sometimes uh, we're really comfortable in our lives uh, being followers of Jesus, um, especially in the United States, because we have a lot of comforts and things, and uh, so so kind of uh, and we kind of set up following Jesus on our own terms. But maybe share with us how Jesus. Um, Called you to do something beyond those terms that maybe you had kind of set up in your own life.
1: Okay. Um, In 2000, well, let me go back. When I was 21 years old in college, I accepted the Lord as my Savior. And um, for the next 27 years, I followed him and I attended church every week. And sometimes we get really comfortable in church. And by the time I was 48 years old, uh, I'd been a church member now for 27 years, and we came every Sunday, we brought our check, we volunteered to uh, do things at the church, we even hosted small groups every other year, and uh, I thought that was it, we were doing good, and I realized later, I had an A going in churchianity. (laughs) But not Christianity. See, um, in two thousand five, I was sitting in church on this side of the, my church, and um, the Lord called me in the ministry that day. And it's a it's a long story. I wish I could share it, but um,
0: share what you can. It's good.
1: Well, you know, short story is the pastor was speaking, and he used the word legacy in a sentence, and. Um, I began to ponder that day, what would my legacy be? Everything was going good in my life. I'm 48 years old. I'm living in Peachtree City. I've got three eye practices going, you know, get to play golf and have fun and take long vacations to exotic places. And like I said, I was good at church. But I really didn't have intimacy with God. And... um the Lord spoke to me one day as I said a prayer almost rhetorically from my seat. I said, Lord, what is my legacy going to be? And he said, you're going to make eyeglasses for the world's poorest people. Never, ever did I plan on being a missionary. And um, that, that started a change in my life. And um, yeah, it got me out of my comfort zone. Maybe some of you have become really comfortable in coming to church on Sunday and doing the right thing and living a good life. But maybe you lack intimacy with Father.
0: Mm-hmm. Would, would you mind sharing maybe, uh, I know this is actually on the script we talked about, but would you mind sharing kind of a couple of those stories about how God, you know, because you were like, okay, what is what does that mean? I want you to make eyeglasses for the poorest people. Kind of how that got started and a couple of the stories you shared that were, I mean, you can't make that stuff up. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, I went home. In fact, the minute I heard the Lord say that, I nudged my wife. Man, usually my wife's nudging me to wake me up or something. <laughs> you know. I, yeah. Some of you guys got sore ribs like I used to get. Um, but I said, honey, I'm going to make eyeglasses for the world's poorest people. And I was shocked because I made eyeglasses for wealthy people because it paid so much better. <laughs> I still don't know why people make glasses for $59 when you can make them for $800, you know? <laughs> so anyways, all my opticals were in affluent areas. And um, I had never thought of making eyeglasses for poor people. and. Uh, she said, Well, that's nice, dear. Now be quiet and listen to the pastor. But I couldn't hear another word he said. All I heard was ba, 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 ba. Because I had just heard from the Lord. And I've never, ever heard the Lord speak to me before. Even after 27 years of being in church. Um, I went home and I was all excited and I began to look up statistics. How many people in the world need eyeglasses? Well, According to Oxford Medical University, it's a billion. Mm -hmm. According to the World Health Organization, it's 517 million. And these are not people who need glasses. These are people who need glasses who will never get them, simply because they won't have resources to ever purchase them. Do you know that of the, and there's estimates now, up to 2 billion people in the world need vision correction who can't afford it. Hmm. Even if glasses only cost $1, half of those people would never be able to afford them. Hmm. So it was uh, the Lord told me to make them for free. Now, this is a struggle <laughs> for me because I said, well, certainly you mean at a discount so I can still <laughs> make some money off here. And he said, no, free. And I went, well, certainly you mean at wholesale costs. And he goes, no, free. And I'm going, well, that's going to cost me money. See, that's, that's not what I want to do. Anyways, when I read those statistics, um, I, I thought two billion people, that's, that's too much. And I just dropped the whole thing. Until about three weeks later, my wife one night said, Brian, I have to talk to you. And... Um, She said, I Googled medical missionary groups today, and I wrote them all and said you'd make them free eyeglasses. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, what'd you do that for? Do you know how much money that's going to cost us? Because I was working the plan. We were really good at saving money, working the plan, planning for our future, and, you know, we were going to get one more optical up and going and retire early at 50 to Aruba, and lay on the beach and drink umbrella drinks all day and play golf. (laughs) And she just put a big kink in the plan. And I said, what'd you do that for? And she said, well, I did it because when God tells you to do something, you should do it. And the minute she said that, I felt a knife go through my heart. Because I know I should have been saying those words. And, uh, Now I'm just praying that God's going to shut down my Gmail account. So Because (laughs) when people put an offer out for free eyeglasses, I'm figuring millions of people are going to respond. However, a miracle kind of happened, at least in my mind. Nobody responded. I was glad. And uh, until a couple months later, a doctor in Honduras wrote me. Her name was... Dr. Valerie Colby. Remember that name for a moment, if you would, Valerie Colby. And um, she wrote me finally and said, If you could make me eyeglasses, this would be a godsend. The people here where I live are so poor they can't afford them. And she's an American missionary eye doctor. Well, Now I've got this dilemma in my life because I've got a clear calling from God what he wants me to do, and I've got a live person in the field waiting for my response. Only I don't want to do this. See, this is a really bad business decision. I'm gonna have to work more, I'm gonna have to buy more product, and I'm gonna have to send it out for free. See, that's a really bad business plan. <laughs> and it doesn't go along with my mindset of what I think is right. And now I'm struggling. And I'm laying away in, awake in bed at night for many, many weeks as God is just telling me to do what he's asked me to do. And, uh, and I'm struggling against my own plans of what I want to do. And one night. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning. The Lord just tells me to read Matthew 6. Chapter or uh, verse 22 and 23. And I don't know why I have that going in my head. I've never read that before. How, how many? No one's going to raise their hand here. How many of us are Christians and we don't read our Bible? You know. We come to church and we hear the verses. But I'm not st- studying it at this point. Anyways, I wake up and I go to the den and I get out a Bible and I look it up and here's what it says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your body will be full of light. And if your eyes are bad, the body is full of darkness. If the light that is in you is in darkness, then how terrible is that darkness? And Jesus spoke those words, and he meant it in a spiritual sense. But at that moment, I realized it applied to the physical as well. If you don't have your eyes, you're in darkness. And how terrible is that darkness? You know, I'd rather lose any kind of limb or have something wrong with me rather than lose my eyesight. My eyes are precious to me. And it was at that moment I realized there's one or two billion people drowning in a sea of darkness. And metaphorically speaking, I own a ship, and I have supplies, and how much would I hate them if I didn't help them? And it was at that moment the Lord changed my heart, and I went, I'll I'll do it, Lord, I'll do it. And the next day I emailed Dr. Valerie Colby, And I said, "Um, I'm in. Like, tell me where to send supplies to. What's your address? And she said, my address is the blue building with the two bushes and the white sign with the red letters on it, (laughs) near Armando's bus stop. And the next line was, there are no addresses where I live. Anyways, I ended up getting her on the phone a week later and talking. And she said, Um, And I said, well, how about FedEx or mail? There's no mail here. FedEx, UPS, DHS. None of those, Brian. They don't exist here. Well, how do I get glasses to you? And she goes, I don't know. You called me. (laughs) (laughs) Darn wife. Um, (laughs) Anyways, so I remember hanging up, just not knowing how we would ever do this. And over the next couple of days, I began to ponder. And then I figured it out with my natural mind. I got it, Lord. You were just testing me to see if I'd be willing to do this like Abraham and Isaac. And I said I would. Good for me. <laughs> you know, Send me a T-shirt, God. I passed the test. And I dropped. I really did, guys. I, I, I dropped the whole thing. Then I said, it was
0: just a test. And
1: uh, should I go on?
0: Yeah, yeah. Don't y'all want to hear the rest of the story? Absolutely, yeah.
1: Well, a few weeks later, uh, in church, our pastor said the um, National Missionary Convention for the Christian Churches is being held in Atlanta, Georgia this year. This was now the fall of 2005. And he said, anyone who wants to go, you should go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And again, I felt prompting from the Lord, go to that missionary convention. Only I don't want to do it. See, I already dropped this whole thing, you know. I'm settling back now and getting comfortable again, you know. Sometimes I say, Lord, speak to me. (laughs) Well, you didn't tell me anything, so... Anyways, I, uh, later that week, you know, the Lord, is just every night, go to the convention, go to the convention. Thursday comes, and I go, Lord, I can't go. I've got patients coming in today, and they're only going to want to see me. So I don't go on Thursday. And by this time in my life, I get to take off Fridays and play golf because everything's going good. And I am not giving up a golf game to go to a stupid missionary convention. <laughs> I don't even know a missionary in my life at this point. 27 years of being a Christian. I've met some at church, but I don't know any. And uh, so I play golf. And Friday night, I am up all night. I can't sleep a wink, tossing and turning, knowing I should go to this missionary convention, but not wanting to do it. And finally in the morning I went. I woke my wife up. I go, Jen, I've got to go to this stupid missionary convention. (laughs) And she jumps out of bed and she runs. She gets my coat because it's fall. She gets my keys. And she goes, go, go see what God's got for you. And then she goes back to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she'd come with me. Well, anyways, I go to the convention, and as I'm driving to Atlanta, I'm complaining to God the entire way. Why are you making me do this? I don't even know. There's going to be 50 people there, God, and men are going to have black suits and white shirts and skinny ties, and <laughs> women are going to have bouffant hairdos. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of Jim and Tammy Baker, you know. That's, <laughs> that's my idea of missionaries, you know. And... uh I go, I I don't know who I'm going to talk to, God, when I get there. And I'm just complaining, and the Lord's not talking. And I get to the convention, and there's not 50 people there. There's 7,000 people there. And there's 650 missionary groups uh, who, who have booths in the exhibit hall. And now I really don't know who to see. So... I remembered a story from Sunday school about Gideon and his fleece. Y'all remember that story, mm-hmm. you know, he goes, "Keep my fleece dry if it's really you and then make it wet if it's really you, then make it dry again yeah. if it's really you." So, I go, "I'll come up with my own fleece story." So, I said, "Okay, God, if this is really you, I'm going to walk through this exhibit hall and I'm going to Look at every booth, but I'm not going to talk to anyone. And I'm going to write down on a piece of paper any name of a group that has something to do with getting eyeglasses to poor people. And when I'm done, Lord, I'm going to go find a quiet corner. And I really said this. And then here's what you're going to do, Lord. You're going to illuminate the name on the paper of which group I'm going to see. See, if you do that, then they'll know it's from you. Sounded like a good plan. So for four hours, I walked through the exhibit hall, looking at everybody's booth, but not talking to anyone. And I get to the last row, and a nice missionary lady cuts me off, and she says, Hi, what are you doing here? And I go, I have no idea what I'm doing here. And I go, I think I'm supposed to make eyeglasses for poor people and I don't know who to see. And she goes, well, I know exactly who you're supposed to see. You're supposed to see a group here called FAME, and that's an acronym for Fellowship for the Advancement of Medical Evangelists. You're supposed to see them. And I got out the paper that I wrote all the names down, but I had only written one name on the paper. And it was fame. And it was glowing. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been really good, though. (laughs) But I held it up to her. And she saw the names. I think she thought I was looking for them. And she said, they're 26 rows over about halfway back in the exhibit hall. So I walk over there. And this time I talk to the man in the booth. And... Uh, he says hi, and what can I do for you? And I said, I want to get eyeglasses to poor people. And I don't know who I should help. And he goes, I know exactly who you're supposed to help. Now that's the second time I've heard that in two minutes, and I'm thinking, where were you people four hours ago? <laughs> so I go, okay, I'm kind of going humor me, like inside. And I go, who who am I supposed to see? And he takes his finger and he hits me right in the chest. And he goes, you are supposed to see Dr. Valerie Colby in Honduras. (laughs) I couldn't talk for a minute. And anyone who knows me, that's a long time for me (laughs) not to talk. And when I could talk, I said, I've talked with that doctor. We don't know how to get eyeglasses back and forth to each other and he said if you will hand if you will send them to indianapolis indiana we send several medical teams down to her clinic every year we'll hand deliver them to you for you and i grabbed his business card and i walked outside and i looked up to the sky and i said you really want me to do this don't you and i didn't know but that was the moment that god's eyes ministry started
0: Isn't that a great story? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So you've kind of shared with us how that that got started, but what were maybe some obstacles or roadblocks? I mean, you you had some that you self-inflicted on yourself, and God wouldn't allow those, but maybe some other things along the way. I think the
1: biggest roadblock was my heart,
0: Mm. you know. And uh, I had
1: bought into the American dream, hook, line, and sinker think most of us who grow up in the suburbs and succeed have that mindset I'm not going to give this all up to go start a ministry (laughs) and um, the other things were uh, well let me go on I started shipping supplies to Dr. Valerie Colby and then over the next few months other doctors heard about me maybe she told them I don't know but they started writing me from Haiti and other places. And I'm telling all these people, go easy on me. This is on my own nickel, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm still resisting. Like, I, this is costing me money and time now. And, um, and then I go to Honduras. And like it said in the video, the Lord gave me a verse, Acts 26, 17, and 18. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God. And it was one of those times when you read a verse in the Bible that it might as well have had my name written on it. I'm sending you, Brian Kaiser, to them. And I knew at that moment, that was in February of 2007, he didn't just want me to supply eyeglasses. He wanted me to go, and I would have to become evangelistic. Now, that's a big step. Close down your practices. Go into the field. That's a hard, this is where the rubber meets the road. You know, we can say we're Christian until God really asks you to do something. And uh, I fought that and fought that. That's another long story. But uh, And then I remember uh, finally deciding I would do it after the Lord met me in the middle of the night many more times. And uh, I remember my father-in-law who's an unbelievably successful businessman calling me up when he found out I would become a missionary. And he said, you're not a man. A man doesn't make his wife work. A man supplies for his family. Mm. So here I am obstacles. My very best friend has a doctorate in finance. He said, have you lost your mind, Brian? <laughs> have you <coughs> lost your mind? See, when you, if you stop working and become a missionary, how, how, is, how are you going to make it? You know, when you make a six-figure income, you have six-figure responsibilities. I, I think you guys understand what that is how are you going to walk away from that and become a missionary so those are some of the obstacles i had to overcome
0: yeah well you've shared obviously some um, confirmations some very clear confirmations what maybe uh another one that through all this is just confirming that this is what god's called you to do i mean that video with you you know just even hugging that lady i mean that's got to be the many times you've done that there's
1: there's been so many and there's so many parts of the story we're leaving off, but you know the Lord was just always there encouraging me. And obstacles to overcome. Yet yeah, I remember another one. You know when you know I thought well, I, I think I know how you become a missionary. You you write letters to everyone you know, and you say give me some money. <laughs> To do something good, you should give me money. I got 63 of those letters one year. Did anyone else ever get any? <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, I've got 10,000 patients from my opticals, I can send out 10,000 letters, you know, I'll raise up some money. But the Lord asked me to do something different, and here's confirmation He said, uh, First, He sent me to a book by George Mueller. We don't have any time left. Um, (laughs) And I I learned that you can run ministries without asking for money. And then also the Lord sent me to the book of John, the feeding of the 5,000. And, you know, the disciples said, hey, we got a problem here. All these people need food. And here's what Jesus says. You feed them. And in my life, he said, you make them glasses, Brian. And I go, okay, send me the money. And he said, no, you have money. And I went, I know, but that's my money. (laughs) And he goes, just give it to me, Brian. And I'm going, like, I can't do that. That's my money. I've worked for 30-some years. That's my money. And he kept saying, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. And I went into negotiations with him and said, we'll up our tide to 20%. And then over the next few weeks, 30, 40, 50. And finally, I surrendered that. And we went all in. Wow. And um, uh, confirmations. Well, when my money ran out, checks started coming in. You know, when the five loaves and the two fish that the disciples gave Jesus ran out, how many people did they feed? Ten, maybe? When their food ran out, that's when God shows up. I wanted Him to show up long before my money ran out. <laughs> See, I, we, we like comfort, don't we? That's another obstacle you have to overcome. Mm. But when my money ran out, the Lord started showing up and checks started arriving in my mailbox without us asking for them. Sometimes from people I never even heard of. And okay. Go yeah, on. I know. We're
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just y'all, it speaks for itself. I mean, I, I wanted y'all to hear his story just because of what a, an amazing calling and confirmation. And I, I thank you so much for first of all responding to God's calling and just being so honest about how difficult that was. But Brian's going to be out in the lobby and has a table set up. If you would like more information about God's eyes or just, I'm telling you, y'all, does he have great stories or what, you know? So, so thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, before James comes up and closes us with, um, uh, we'll, we'll have a few announcements in doxology. I would like you just to stand in the center there. And folks in that area, we'll let's just, can we just pray for you and in your ministry? If you do that, let's just do that right now. to stand in the middle. You know, y'all that are closest can put a hand on Brian and put a hand on somebody. I know everybody can't participate. It's kind of down here near that, yeah. And y'all just put a hand on Brian. I want to pray for him, and then we'll we'll close out. Anybody that can get a hand on him or somebody that's got a hand on him would be great. Lord, I, I thank you so much for um, Brian and, and his ministry of God's eyes, and just what an, a phenomenal story, and how you spoke to him uh, not only directly but so many times through scripture and through people and thank you for his following of that calling. Thank you for him sharing with us today and thank you father for just allowing him and his ministry and the many people that serve with him bring light to people not only physically through eyeglasses for some for the very first time in their lives are able to see but also the spiritual illumination that you've provided that they find a savior and the creator that is there. So thank you so much for him. I ask you to continue to bless his ministry um, with resources and and, and, uh, being able to make people uh, not only see, but continue to uh, allow the gospel to penetrate their spiritual lives as